Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Katie and I will be your operator today. Welcome to Knight Therapeutics Inc. 2021 Second Quarter Financial Results Conference Call. Before turning the call over to Jonathan Ross Goodman, CEO of Knight, listeners are reminded that portion of today's discussion may, by their nature, necessarily involve risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those contemplated by forward looking statements. The company considers the assumptions in which these forward-looking statements are based to be reasonable at the time they were prepared, but cautions that these assumptions regarding the future events, many of which are beyond the control of the company and its subsidiaries, may ultimately prove to be incorrect. The company disclaims any intention or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether a result of new information, future events, except as required by law. We would also like to remind you that questions during today's call will be taken from analysts only. Should there be any further questions, please contact Knight's Investor Relations Department via email to info at knighttx.com or via phone at 514-678-8930. I would like to remind everyone that this call is being recorded today, August 13th, 2021, and now would like to turn your meeting over to your host, Jonathan Ross Goodman. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Night Therapeutics Second Quarter 2021 Conference Call. I'm joined on today's call with Samira Sakia, our President and Chief Operating Officer, Amal Puri, our Chief Business Officer, Arvind Uchana, our Chief Financial Officer, and Jeff Martins, our VP Commercial. After 104 quarters of leading publicly traded specialty pharmaceutical companies since the tender age of 28, and with the majority of these quarters with Samira by my side, it is the right time for both Knight and for Canadian society for me to step aside and make room for a female superstar. I look forward to fulfilling my new role as chair and to support Samira and her talented team to the best of my abilities. I do this not just because I'm the goodest and the largest Knight shareholder, but because teams support each other during both GUD, good times, and bad times. Thank you to our shareholders and to Amal Corey, Jody Engel, Corey Richardson, Arvind Uchana, Georgette Lassard-Boyer, Jerry Mazai, and the many others who followed me from, the Paladin, from Paladin Labs for their confidence over the last 27 years. A special thank you goes to James Gale, managing partner of Signet Healthcare Partners, for assuming the role of lead director. Imagine what we're going to do now that we're just warmed up. I will now turn the call over to Samira, who I will have to start being nice to in 17 more days, as Samira will become Knight's new talented orchestra conductor. Samira? Thank you, Jonathan, and good morning, everyone. It has been a privilege to have worked hand-in-hand with and learned from Jonathan over the last 20 years and it was just a couple weeks ago that we actually did celebrate our 20-year anniversary. 
I'm honored and humbled today to take on the role of CEO of Knight and to lead an exceptionally talented and dedicated executive team and Knights across Canada and Latin America. <clears throat> As for the quarter, I am excited to announce that for Q2, Knight achieved record quarterly results despite the ongoing challenges posed by the pandemic. During the last six months, we executed on multiple fronts with our business, team, business development team closing Exelon and already beginning the work on transition the commercial team delivering on strong growth on our key, key brands, and all our teams executing on integration and systems implementation. Turning now to the NTIB, we completed the 2020 NTIB on July 13, 2021, and purchased a total of 6,193,169 common shares at an average price of 533 per share. Subsequent to the quarter, we announced the acceptance by the Toronto Stock Exchange of our notice of intention to make a normal course issuer bid, which commenced on July 14, 2021. Under the 2021 NCIB, Knight can purchase for cancellation up to 10.2 million shares over the next 12 months. As at August 11, 2021, Knight has purchased 2.3 million shares for an aggregate cash consideration of 11.9 million or $5.17 per share. I'll now turn the call over to Amal for an update on BD activities. Thank you, Samira. Um, during the quarter, uh, as you know, we completed the acquisition of the exclusive rights of Exelon for Canada and Latin America, for which we paid a total consideration of 217 million Canadian dollars or 180 million US dollars. This acquisition leverages our Pan-American XUS platform and further validates our rest-of-world strategy. Exelon is our first global brand that we are selling across our entire territory. In addition to the Exelon acquisition, our business development team remains focused on leveraging our Pan-American XUS footprint to build our portfolio along our three-pronged growth strategy, which includes acquiring products or companies with existing sales, and licensing innovative pipeline assets, and developing our branded generics portfolio. I will now turn the call over to Jeff to provide a commercial update. Thank you, Amal. <clears throat> Building on our hard work of 2020, our efforts in 2021 remain focused on executional excellence of our new product launches. Overall, our revenues on a current Con, a current, current, uh, constant currency basis, pardon me, increased by $14.4 million or 28% during the quarter versus Q2 last year. The growth in revenues is driven by an incremental demand estimated to be between $5.5 million and $7 million, primarily due to our infectious disease products that treat invasive fungal infections associated with COVID-19. $4.8 million related to the growth of our recently launched products and $4.2 million from the acquisition of Exelon. Furthermore, on July 6, 2021, Health Canada has approved Neuralinks to treat HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer patients in Canada. Over the remainder of the year, we remain focused on the execution and acceleration of our launches and continue our work on the return to field plan in all of our territories. I will now turn the call over to Arvind to go over our financial results. Thank you, Jeff. In the course of this conference call, I will refer to EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA, as well as constant currency, which are all non-IFRS measures. Knight defined EBITDA as operating loss or income, excluding amortization and impairment of intangible assets, depreciation, 
purchase price accounting adjustment and the impact of accounting under hyperinflation, but to include costs related to leases. Adjusted EBITDA exclude acquisition costs and non-recurring expenses. In addition, constant currency is also a non-GAAP measure used to exclude foreign currency fluctuations. Financial results at constant currency are obtained by translating the prior period results at the average foreign exchange rates in effect during the current period, except for Argentina, where we only exclude the impact of hyperinflation. I'm excited to report that for the second quarter of 2021, we achieved record revenues of $65.8 million, an increase of $14.4 million, or 28% on a constant currency basis. As for gross margin, we reported $28.8 million, or 44% of revenues, compared to $22.2 million, or 42% of revenues in the same period last year. The increase is mainly due to higher revenues, low inventory provision, and a change in product mix, partially offset by the renegotiation of certain license agreements and the depreciation of the LATAM currencies. Excluding the impact of hyperinflation, the gross margin would be 46% of revenues for the quarter. Our total ex operating expenses for the second quarter increased by $1.7 million, or by $1.3 million on, in constant currency, compared to the same period in 2020. The increase is mainly due to an incremental expense of $1.2 million related to the extension of stock options held by certain executive offices, directors, and employees, partially offset by lower costs of restructuring versus the second quarter of 2020. Moving on to EBITDA. The EBITDA for the quarter was $9.3 million, compared to an EBITDA of $6 million on a constant currency basis in the second quarter of last year. Adjusted EBITDA was $9.4 million for the quarter, compared to an adjusted EBITDA of $6.4 million on a constant currency basis in the same period last year. The increase of $3 million, or 47%, was mainly driven by the previously mentioned increase in gross margin, partially offset by higher operating expenses. Now moving on to certain items that are not reflected in our adjusted EBITDA. During the quarter, we recorded $28.5 million of net gain on financial assets measured at fair value to profit or loss, which is mainly coming from our strategic fund investments. The unrealized gain was driven by several of our strategic fund investments, including an unrealized gain of $30.5 million on singular genomics system, an investment held by Domain, which had an initial public offering in the quarter. The unrealized gains in the quarter were partially offset by an unrealized loss of $13.5 million on the shares of Atea, a public company held by Sectorals Nimotu. On a live-to-date basis, Knight has recorded an unrealized gain of $8.9 million on Atea. I would like to remind listeners that our financial assets are subject to equity price risk. For example, Singular Genomic System has seen a material decline in its share price subsequent to the second quarter, and at the current price level, Knight would record an unrealized loss or reverse part of the second quarter's unrealized gain by $14 million. Finally, Knight generated cash inflows from operations of $12.4 million in the second quarter of 2021, 
an increase of $4.3 million, or 54% over the same period last year. The significant increases in cash from operations is driven by an improvement in our operating results and working capital, as well as interest collected on the maturity of certain marketable securities during the quarter. I will now turn the call back to Samir. Thank you, Arvind. Looking ahead, we remain committed to continue to building as leading Pan-American ex-US specialty pharmaceutical company. After closing Exelon, we have over $160 million in cash, cash equivalents of market securities to continue to execute on our strategy to in-license and acquire innovative pharmaceuticals, as well as developing our branded generic portfolio. Thank you for your support and confidence in the Knight team. This concludes my former remarks, and I would like to turn the call over for questions. Katie? Thank you. Before we begin, may I please remind you, questions during today's call will be taken from analysts only. Should there be any further questions, please contact Knight's Investor Relations Department via email to info at knighttx.com or via phone at 514 514- Six seven eight eight nine three zero. If you would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any key. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star two. We'll take our first question from Doug Meem with RBC Capital Markets. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Uh, thank you. And I guess the first comment I'd like to make is, uh, con- and I'm sure I've done this before, but congratulations to you both. Uh, Jonathan, it's been great to work with you for such a long time as CEO, and uh, good luck to you, um, Samira, as you move ahead in this new role. Um, first question that I have uh, just has to do with the sustainability of the antifungal uh, strength that you saw in the quarter. Can you talk about what you expect to see or are seeing in Q3 and how we can expect that to uh, move through the remainder uh, of the year? Um, first of all, thank you so much for your congratulations and looking forward to continuing to work with you. But I'm going to turn it over to Jeff to answer the the 
sales related to our product. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for the question, uh, uh, Doug. So, um, yeah, as far as the sustainability, you know, we expect due to COVID that our sales will continue to remain lumpy, right? We're going to see probably movement and in both directions. Um, but, you know, um, what I can say is that there's really two factors, right? There's uh, our infectious disease products, which are used uh, in some cases in patients that are co-infected with, um, with COVID. And for those patients, obviously, as long as COVID's there, we will continue to see uh, a positive upside. Um, but there's also um, the, the other element, which is, um, you know, after COVID's behind us, have, has the experience with these customers been positive? Um, and we like to think that some of the positive experience that they've had with our medicines will, will continue. So I think there will be some sustainability, but it will be up and down. One of the okay. things that, that so we're seeing, is just uh, I'll kind of wrap up a little on this. COVID is going up and down in our territory. So what we saw, for example, in Q2 was that Mexico cases were getting a bit better, but there was pickup in Brazil. It's starting to turn a little uh, where Mexico is uh, getting worse in the Q3. Uh, things are getting slightly better in Brazil. So it really depends on a market-by-market market basis as well as hospitalizations. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And then just a related question. You did start to get some traction in your product launches, and maybe what we're ultimately going to see is uh, as COVID starts to wane, you're going to get more traction on those product launches. But Perhaps you could expand a little bit uh, on that, and I'll leave it there. Sure. So, as Jeff mentioned, one of the things that we are counting on is the utilization so far on a product like Crescemba during COVID is going to carry forward um, in utilization post-COVID because they get familiarity on how to use it. Then there's products like Halivin and Vima both of which continue to advance, maybe not as fast as we'd like, but we do, as our reps start to go back in the field, uh, patients start uh, to go back to doctors and diagnoses start to happen, we expect that to rise. And the same thing in Canada behind Trellstar, Neuralinx, and Ipstrella. Great, thank you. Thank you, we'll take our next question from David Novak with Raymond James. Good morning, folks. Thanks for taking my questions. And, and I guess I'll just echo Doug here and, and Jonathan sending you the absolute best as you transition out of the CEO role. That said, you know, I, I know nothing really changes here as, as you and Samira are and always have been completely on the same inhuman genius wavelength. Uh, nonetheless, what a hell of a good GUD, of course, quarter to bow out on. Um, I guess just moving on to questions. So first from me, just building on Doug's former question, is it fair to assume that the largest revenue contributors from the infectious disease portfolio are Crisemba and uh, Ambiosome? And, and if so, could you give us a bit of perspective into what the historical run rate for these products were pre-pandemic, while noting that historical run rate may not be reflective of go-forward run rate, particularly if you can establish you know, additional loyalty or physician comfort with these assets? Just having some historical context would, would be helpful. Um, so, 
That's a great question. So in the case of Crescemba, there's very little run rate because it was an early launch phase, especially in a market like Brazil where we only launched it late March, uh, just as the world was shutting down. Um, and every kind of every extra every dollar we're making is actually an extra dollar that we didn't have last year. Uh, or even in the last queue, because we are seeing a spike in the queue as well. As far as Ambisome is concerned, and for, like one of the things is we are not disclosing product by product data. We did see a spike happen in the queue, um, and we we don't we expect it to temper over the next few quarters for two reasons. One is really going back to infections and hospitalizations, but also we're seeing um, vaccinations in these territories also start to go up, and that'll kind of pull, drive that down as well. Gotcha, great. And that actually leads well into my next question. So thinking about the LATAM market from a macro perspective here, you know, emerging markets like LATAM are likely to take a bit longer coming out of a cyclical downturn from COVID relative to North America. Um, can you share any views around changes quarter over quarter you're seeing with respect to things like unemployment, vaccine uptake, et cetera, in these markets, which may help us zero in on a rebound to economic growth in, in these particular jurisdictions? Sure. So, as you know, like, I said, like you're saying, these are emerging markets. There's a whole amount of um, – the, the economy is partial, like the, the informal economy. And so a lot of these countries stopped being in shutdown just because they couldn't afford it uh, that much longer. What we are seeing when it comes to vaccinations is they are moving pretty rapidly. They're about six months, I'm going to say three to six months behind us, depending on the territory. So markets like Argentina and Brazil, uh, latest data is showing that 50-ish, mid-50s have gotten at least one dose. Um, In the markets like Mexico and Colombia, it's late 30s, early 40s, and then the smaller markets are a bit behind that. So we do, uh, hopefully, as as North American and European markets uh, are not vaccinating as much, vaccines start to move south, and that continues to ramp up. Um, we know for a fact that in our team in Brazil, over 70 people have, 70% of the people have received their first dose, uh, and we expect that by kind of end of September, they'll be past their second dose. Um, in Colombia, we were able to, through the Chamber of Commerce, acquire vaccines for our people, and I believe by the end of this month, they'll all have first dose, um, and hopefully by the end of October, early November, their second dose. Excellent. That's very helpful. Thanks so much. And, and I guess just lastly for me, and then I'll hop back in the queue, is uh, Samira, you've you recently spoken about your thoughts around the potential to secure LATAM domicile debt facilities to hedge against volatility in, in the LATAM markets. Now, you know, this is a bit of a change from Knight and Paladin's historical anti-debt perspective, um, but c- could you just share your current thinking around this strategy as it stands today? So, that's a great point. Um, one of the things we will be doing, and this is re- this is less about adding debt uh, and shoring up our cash flows. It's really more about hedging currency exposure. So we are looking to, and Arvind is working very hard on this, is to add debt in Rei, Colombian, Mexican, 
Chilean peso so that we can hedge the cash flows that are coming in, especially behind um, Exelon from those countries. Excellent. Thanks so much. That's very helpful. I'll hop back into queue. Thank you. We'll take our next question from David Martin with Bloom at Burton. Hi, good morning. This is Antonia on the line for Dave. Um, so just two questions for me. Um, can you give us a, um, a bit of insight into um, the diagnosis and treatment of cancer patients or things going back to normal in, um, in the LATAM countries? And then also for Exelon, um, are sales still expected to be in that 45 to 50% range um, or has anything changed since the acquisition? Uh, thanks so much for the question, and maybe I'll start with um, with answering the the oncology diagnosis rate and treatment uh, in in LATAM in Canada, and then I'll pass it over to Amal for the other question. Um, so so on this, it I I guess we're in a situation where the waves of COVID vary country to country. Um, so for example. Uh, Mexico actually was, was showing a significant decline where we were seeing diagnosis rates increasing, um, but there was a spike in Brazil, in Argentina, et cetera, which hindered um, the ability for doctors to diagnose and patients obviously being apprehensive with, with cancer to go in and, uh, or a condition to get diagnosed. So I would say um, the diverse footprint that we have probably leads to some countries showing um, an increase in diagnosis rates at times and others less. Um, so there is some variability. But one thing is absolutely certain, as the vaccination rates uh, continue to progress, the diagnosis rates will uh, continue to increase, and, um, and we've positioned our new product launches to successfully obtain some of those patients. So that, that is really, I think, the, the situation on the diagnosis rate. Um, but, and we've actually seen examples of this in, in the countries as well. Um, so I guess it's a matter of us just holding it tight and waiting for the vaccines to uh, eventually let these, these businesses to open up. Um, I, I think that answers the question. I'll maybe pass it over to Amal. Sure, thank you, Jeff. Um, so for Exelon, I think your question was on uh, performance and if anything changed since we closed the, the, the deal. So if we look at the first, five weeks, um, kind of from when we closed, which was May 26th till the end of the quarter, the performance um, that we saw was actually ahead of, of what we we're expecting, but that's because there's some lumpiness in, in buying patterns. Uh, overall, expectations are still um, the same as we had communicated previously, so we expect this brand to be a flattish, so to remain in the uh, similar range to what we saw um, uh, last year, so in the mid-50 million uh, range. The, the other thing, uh, Antonio, that I would add is, uh, on, especially on Jeff's comment on where, what we're seeing as far as vaccinate, as far as kind of treatment and diagnosis, our territories are really not that different from Canada or the U.S., where as, as doors open, and we saw this at the end of 2020 a little bit, especially in a market like Brazil, where they were actually in their summer months um, and there was a lightness. We saw diagnoses happen um, and then it shut down again as they went into winter. Over the next couple of queues, they're going back into summer and vaccinations are going out. So we do expect uh, diagnoses to continue to start going back up. Okay, thank you. 
Thank you. As a reminder, star one for questions. We'll take our next question from Andrew Leno with National Bank. Hi, uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. And uh, I'll echo the congratulations on the uh, transition uh, from Jonathan to Samira. Uh, congrats uh, to both of you. Uh, a question that I had, uh, well, a couple, uh, but I wanted to start a bit with, uh, with vaccinations. I mean, it has come up several times. Uh, I was wondering if you have any comments uh, on, uh, for example, the, the efficacy of some of the vaccines that have been used. And uh, even though people had been vaccinated, I mean, there were still waves and there were still shutdowns in, in Chile, for example. Is there something uh, that has been observed in the other geographies or uh, not, not to date yet? So one of the things is we get, all of these countries are getting different types of vaccines. We did see uh, early on that Chile went in and out of um, out of shutdown. What they are now seeing is that some of the some of the other vaccines, while they're efficacious, uh, there may not be. Uh, efficacious enough in preventing infection, they are still quite good in preventing serious infection and hospitalization. And that's kind of the feedback that we're seeing. We saw that in Chile, we saw that in Uruguay as well, where cases continued to spike, but then they started to really come off as well. Um, these countries are continuing to monitor. So there's conversations that are happening in the US and Canada about third doses. Those same conversations are happening in markets like Chile and Uruguay, where um, and other markets as well. Okay. Oh, great, thank you. That's that's very helpful. Uh, the other question uh, I wanted to ask is on the newly launched products. Uh, have they been launched in all the intended geographies? And it's just a question of ramping them up, or are any new countries that still uh, have not been launched in? Thanks uh, so much for the question. It's Jeff, I'll take that question. Um, so uh, we do have um, a couple launches pending. So maybe I'll, I'll start there. Um, so we do expect to see Halloween and Lemvima approval in Colombia uh, later this year. And we're also uh, waiting for the final CADETH review uh, for Invexi and Bejuva. And we are bullish that we'll see a positive outcome there and look forward to launching those two products here in Canada. Uh, so those are the pending launches. Uh, all the rest of the medicines uh, have been launched in, in all uh, jurisdictions where we can get an indication. Uh, I, I would say, uh, in, in just to name them, right, so Neuralinks in Canada, Lymphema, Halloween, and, and uh, our LATAM countries, uh, pending uh, Columbia. Uh, Trailstar here in Canada is obviously a bit of a turnaround product. We would like to almost refer to that as a launch because we've reassumed it and it's been responding beautifully to promotion here in Canada. So, so there are those pending launches, but I, uh, where we have launched, obviously, in a COVID environment, it has been a bit slow, some of the uptake in some of those areas, but we're really seeing traction now um, as COVID starts to get under control. Um, happy okay, to pass it along to you. That's great. Uh, thank, thanks, Jeff. Uh, one, one more uh, last question for me uh, on uh, Exelon sales. Uh, are they? Uh, are we to assume they, they directly go to EBITDA, or is there a margin that we need to apply to that sales number? Sure. Um, there's a there is a little bit of spend in the opex, but the the number that we reported is is net revenues, so that is going straight to gross margin. Great. Uh, thank you. That's it for me.
Thank you. We'll take our next question from Justin Keywood with Stiefel GMP. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call and nice uh, quarter. I was just uh, wondering if there's any seasonal strength in Q2 uh, that perhaps didn't show up as pronounced uh, last year in the early days of the pandemic. Um, actually, no. I think what we really what's happening, even that there wasn't really any seasonality in the Q2 of last year. A lot of what was happening in Q2 of last year was the the total crisis that the whole planet was under with shutdown. What we're seeing in this quarter um, is really about the treatment. Like we're seeing growth in our products. We see the addition of Exelon. And what's really driving in our infectious disease products is utilization in association with COVID infections and very busy ICUs. Got it. And can you just remind us, is there any uh, seasonality in the GBT business, just in general? In general, there is a little bit similar to Canada, right, in a little bit in Q4. Um, and that's really around the Christmas season that we see where uh, wholesalers and hospitals do start, like to stock up because of Christmas vacations. Um, it's hard to tell right now between Q4 of 19 and Q4 of 20. As, as we go in, we're going to continue to monitor and be careful. Uh, just because of COVID, a lot of that seasonality has been uh, hard to measure. Okay. And uh, for Exelon, was it a full quarterly contribution? Hi, Justin. This is Amal. Um, we closed May 26, so it was a five weeks of contribution during the quarter. Okay, so we should see that to progress. Um, just in general, the adjusted EBITDA reported in the quarter, is that a good level to assume uh, going throughout the remainder of the year? So, yes, and I, it's really hard to guide because we are, we're kind of still going through this crisis and the lumpiness that it drives to the top line as well as margin. If you look at our margin, it's also been swinging quite a bit, and that's really dependent on product mix. The one thing I can say is we, our teams are working really hard. We are focused on continuing to execute on our launches and manage through COVID. We do expect some of our expenses to rise over the next queues as we start to go back to field and open things like travel, um, but we're, we're driven to profitability as well. As, and the other thing that I'd like to remind you guys is that we are, like you said, going to be getting full quarter contribution behind Exelon. Understood. And my last question is just on the ERP project and how that implementation is going and any timeline to completion. I, so so we, we continue to progress, and as last discussed, like it's going out into multiple phases on a country-by-country -country basis. So the last guidance we gave was about uh, 9 to 12 months, and we're, we're still in the same time zone. By, by mid of next year, we should be substantially completed. Okay. Thank you for taking my questions.
Thank you. With no additional questions in the queue, I would like to turn the call back over to Ms. Sakia for any additional or closing remarks. Thank you for your confidence in the night team and for joining our Q221 call. Uh, please stay healthy and stay safe and hope to see you soon. That will conclude today's call. We appreciate your participation. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.